welcome to Ivy League Murders. My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate and a private investigator. And my name is Laura Rodriguez McDonald. I'm a University of Miami graduate, longtime crime aficionado, and part of a fourth generation NYPD family. Laura and I don't always agree on everything. With her NYPD roots and my criminal defense background, sometimes we find ourselves on opposite sides of the jury. We do share a mutual passion for crime solving, and we both grew up in Cambridge, steps away from Harvard University. On Ivy League Murders, we discuss cases where the best of the best make the worst decisions. We look at people who seemingly have it all and throw it all away. Murder, murder. Sarah. Hey, Laura. What do we have today, Sarah? We are doing a quick recap on the Alec Baldwin set shooting. So we are here and let's get going. So on Thursday, October 21st, during a rehearsal on the set of Rust, actor Alec Baldwin shot a live round from a prop gun. The bullet killed a 42-year-old cinematographer, Helena Hutchins, and wounded director, Joel Souza. Since then, various news stories have swirled, and the latest is that there's a possibility of sabotage by disgruntled crew members. And needless to say, all parties have lawyered up. Here for a quick update from our hip and Hollywood insider, Ross A. Lincoln from The Wrap. Welcome, Ross. Welcome, hey guys, Ross. Thank you. you. You overstate my coolness, but I appreciate uh, the sentiment <laughs> nonetheless. Uh, and thanks for having me on, because at, at minimum, this this thing is, and not to make light of the tragedy, but this thing is really entering like a real Baroque, ornate phase where after the initial speculation and all the leaks that came out of the set and then the huge press conference they have, it's now, a, as you just pointed out, a, everyone's lawyering up and now it's like, we're starting to get into dueling accusations. We're starting to get into like ancillary details that may or may not have some meaning to it. One thing that I'm fascinated by is the extent to which the second AD, whose name will come back to me in a second, through his lawyer has pretty much clammed up. But the armorer, Gutierrez Reed, is Hannah Gutierrez Reed. She, her lawyer straight up said, this is probably sabotage when they went on today, I believe last week. And in a follow-up statement, she came as close without actually making that specific criminal allegation as possible, still kind of implying maybe this was a nefarious act of sabotage on the set. Let's get a little more granular. Is there any evidence that there was sabotage? Is there any, outside of her and her lawyer, is there any other crew members who are saying the same thing? No. I mean, what's funny, Ross, the last time we recorded, right? Yeah. You and Laura spoke, and Laura, what did Ross tell you? We didn't talk about it on camera, but we had talked about people on the crew when their downtime using the guns for target practice. Yeah. And that sounded so ridiculous and crazy to us. And then it turned out that there were rumors, rampant rumors of that, and that there may be some truth to that. Now, do we know anything more about that? Well, no, the police are continuing their investigation and they are not leaking at all. Where Everyone's trying. What there is, is Gutierrez Reed's suggestion, the armor, her insistence that at every point that she needed to do it, 
as part of her job. She had full command of those weapons. She knew where they were. She knew they were locked up. She was checking and double checking. And she was handed a box that were supposed to be filled with like dummy rounds and blinks. And she is baffled by it. I remember you asked me, do I think it could have been sabotage? And at the time I was like, I can't imagine it. I still can't imagine it, but only because like 99 times out of a hundred life doesn't line up with the James Elroy novel in the way that I'd like it to. I do think that it is not impossible. Certainly I still find it extremely difficult to believe. I think that if there was any evidence of it, the police would have already, someone would have leaked from this if it was something that staggering. I think it's going to be something more mundane, which is that she didn't have the control over the guns she had. Someone else was like letting people go off and play with those. I think it's going to be what we think it is from the start. Careless. If they were target shooting, I mean, that right there would show she was not in control of the weapons because that would be total carelessness. Absolutely. So if that rumor were to be true, this may just be her defense, her getting a defense out before an arrest. Yeah. She's making, and I assume she's getting good advice because her lawyer is a former U.S. attorney. She's making statements about her own knowledge of things, and she's making statements about her own control over the guns that should theoretically be verifiable. You know, like she is making factual assertions that presumably she can back up. Perhaps it's absolutely true and documented that every time she needed to be looking at a weapon or in control of the weapon, et cetera, et cetera, every time she was on set, she absolutely knew what was going on. Perhaps it is true that she was also, as she said in her first statement, working two different jobs on set, not just being in charge of guns, but also having to do like some prop stuff. And so maybe she was away from the set doing that stuff. I was going to say, and I think that's sort of the tragedy of the low budget doing too much with too few people type of thing, that it seems to me that, and having worked on sets myself, it's chaotic as hell. It's like, get the guns to stage one. Come on, come on. Like, you know, we're losing daylight. Let's go. You know, it's very stressful and everyone's exhausted and they're sleep deprived. I'm not excusing what happened. The fact that they had, and she really wasn't being paid that much money. And I think they, she was paid it, like $6,000. Yeah. Which and, when and, you look at the budget of the movie and, and Alec Baldwin is really nothing. Right. If she's being used for double duty, which I think it was like second assistant props or something like that, that's stretching that too thin as far yep. as I can say. And I think that's the carelessness of the producers and the production team itself. Absolutely. And, The lawsuit, I wonder, will this be civil for the producers because they use non-union people and they were careless? You mean civil? uh, Civil litigation. I mean, do you think they won't be punished criminally? They're not going to, like Alec Baldwin, do you think he's going to escape criminal charges? I still think, I think we've discussed this. I think that it's becoming increasingly the appearance of, I want to stress as always, this could easily change tomorrow. So far, it looks increasingly like Baldwin was not a shot caller in the sense of actually making day-to-day decisions as a producer. Baldwin appears to have been a producer because he's the biggest star in the production, and he brought the weight of what he has to make this movie happen. There was that LA Times article a couple weeks back that was breaking down as far as they could tell what happened, and there were multiple people who were like, Alec Baldwin was almost, they didn't call him paranoid, but they described him as somebody who was extremely concerned with the safety of the weapons when he was interacting with them. I think it's possible also, you guys obviously know this, movie productions aren't like 
a normal business or a corporation. It's like tons of small businesses all working together in concert. It's kind of like that cynical joke about bipartisanship and passage of legislation where if like everybody's guilty of the crappy bill, nobody can be held accountable for it. Can't blame us for what you don't like about it because we all did it. So no one's to blame. Similar things can happen on movie sets where you have so many moving parts and so many people. And in this case, we now know wielding dual roles. The diffusion of responsibility might make it hard to actually attach criminal charges to anything, but you're damn right. Lawsuits are going to be intense. There's already the wrongful death lawsuit that's been filed. I absolutely think that we're going to start having accusations of responsibility. As I said last time, I'm pretty sure, now I'm convinced, this movie will never, the only only people that will ever make a profit from this movie are going to be the documentary filmmakers on HBO who tell the story or the lawyers who are handling their clients. Maybe we could talk about um, Alec Baldwin. Can we get him some PR help here? <laughs> because I am just not understanding how he's handling this. And I totally, I, in the beginning, I kind of held him a little responsible. I've come away from that. I, I think it was an accident. Yeah. But his response, him and his wife to this is just, I don't understand why they can't just stay out of the spotlight, stay off social media and uh, allow some mourning and some time to pass. We can only speculate in terms of psychology, but we know how people who live in the spotlight, influencers especially, and Hilaria Baldwin is more of an influencer than anything else. There's also just when you feel like you're getting pummeled constantly, you have a tendency to want to say something, anything, to like, please understand, I'm sorry, leave us alone, please, that kind of thing. I'm sorry, how do you say influencer in Spanish? Because I'm not, no, uh, no, not, None of us, including Hilaria, know the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but she did fake that accent. She might no, look, be a nice person. We're, we're actually, we're from Boston, like Hilaria. So, you know. Ah, <laughs> uh, Claire OKC, I get it now. Yes. Uh... I feel like even like the people who have like the best team around them, and Baldwin's someone who's always spoken off the cuff. So I have a feeling he doesn't have like agents and managers whose job it is to muffle him. He's a guy that likes to go on talk show appearances when he's mad about politics and be like, well, the election doesn't go my way, I might move. He's not going to move, obviously, but that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's hard to turn that off, even if the best course of action is to shut up, especially if it feels like if you don't say anything, people are going to start accusing you of um, not caring. I do. I think that the sort of cancel culture thing plays into this too, of like, okay, we're not going to be quiet. We're just going to keep on feeding the thing because Mm. if we don't, it's going to be, I get a sense there's a You know, that's that's a good point. I don't love the dialogue about cancel culture because so much of it is people complaining that they're not allowed to say the N-word anymore. Right. So they're complaining that they can't like be sexist at work or harass people. But there is a a kernel of truth to it. And what makes this conversation so frustrating is the thing that you just alluded to. There is like this social media pile on. Not only does everything become like easy to pile on, but it also everyone is extremely encouraged through carrots and sticks to have a take on every single issue and to be as outraged as possible. And social media thrives on outrage. I mean, Facebook and Twitter, both their algorithms work to feed you information that will get you engaged and nothing engages people more like being furious. And so, yeah, there is that sort of like pile on that's happening and you want to respond, you want to ignore. It's like if you dare say something that isn't the exact right apology, you'll get piled on. If you try to stay quiet, you'll get accused. I'm meandering and rambling at this point. The long story short of it is like there is that aspect too. And for someone like Alec Baldwin, who lives expressing his opinions very freely probably difficult 
under these stressful circumstances to just be like, shh. Yes, and sort of guilty by silence, I think. Yeah, yeah but now fun. he's out promoting his podcast, which I'm not sure everybody is ready to be listening to his pod. I mean, whoever his audience was. Well, that yeah. seems a little premature to me. I agree. I certainly think that maybe uh, hit the pause button there, Alec. The uh, thing that I find interesting, I, I'm sure you guys saw this, now he's calling for sets to hire police officers to monitor gun usage during film productions, which... I don't think it's a bad idea, truthfully. It might not be. As we see these things, they can happen. As rare as they are, as unlucky or unlikely that they can happen, yeah. I think it's not a bad idea at all. I would assume a lot of armorers would be ex-police officers. Armorers exist, as we've all learned over the last few weeks, armorers exist in this weird space, kind of like EMTs. Right. Or the people who clean up crime scenes. It's like police, forensic examiners are obviously hired by the city and they also have huge accreditational requirements before they can get the job, presumably. But the people who clean up the crime scenes, that's just a third party contractor. They just formed a business. We clean crime scenes up. And the same thing with like EMTs. They're usually private contractors. They're given basic how to use the defibrillator and how to do CPR training, but they're not nurses. They're just people trained to stabilize and they make very little money. Armors, similarly within the film ecosystem, they're not like it's unregulated in the in the union sense. It's like loose and diffused. It's like a word of mouth kind of community. You know, there are like trick shots out there who get noticed and then they they get to to be advisors on movies to make gunplay look exciting and realistic. Cops taking over the role of armor on set might be a good idea, but it's going to dramatically increase the cost because Police officers, they're not going to work for like $10, $15 an hour for their expertise if they're doing this in their free time, nor sure. should anybody if they can possibly not have to make that kind of money. And I feel like this gets to the problem you identified and we've been talking about all along. The amount of money this set had, the budget they had, what they were willing to pay for people to do their jobs would not have covered the cost of like off-duty cops to come in and monitor these guns any more than it would have covered the cost to have some sort of like union guild regulatory structure in place to make sure that guns are always being handled. So yes, you're right. Cops, good idea. It really comes down to just pay the money to have the structures and systems in place so that it's not this like sort of like diffuse on the fringes of sets. And it's something that's actually trackable and trainable. My impression is that there was kind of a quote, movable gun cart Yep. That I don't think these guns were locked up. I don't know. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but it certainly didn't seem like it. Yeah, and, I think that yeah. the so, gunplay was loose on that. Oh, know? yeah. So the potential for accidents, the, the potential for lethal mistakes was probably very high. Absolutely. Truthfully. I mean, yeah. they wouldn't let somebody just like take a Teamster truck out for a joyride. And yeah, and it's like, I still, like I, when I found out that the guns were being used for plinking, like my jaw like hit the ground and I'm still like stunned by that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be the equivalent of like taking one of the, the craft trucks and then going to the racetrack with it and then like coming back and like they drive it around and suddenly the wheels go out. But even more lethal in some yeah. ways because I picture like a bunch of grips who are totally stoned out of their minds. <laughs> I, and I don't mean to target the grips. I'm, oh, I, yeah. I'm, I having worked on film sets again. Yep. Long hours, people a, get bored. You know, a few Michelob lights set, and yeah, yeah, Western set and you screwing around with a gun and it just has that vibe to me well and you're out in the middle of the new mexico desert and you're surrounded by cool looking guns and you're a good old boy who likes to trick shoot at beer cans of course someone's like let's sneak these guns away and we'll go be wyatt earp for a couple of hours sure very tempting yeah. very tempting. i think for anybody yeah. that may have been the root of how this live ammunition got well and you know Guterres reed's statement 
came as close as possible to accusing the second AD of perhaps being the person. She didn't name him, but she walked right up. When, when this is in production, you can pop a link up to her statement, but it was pretty much like, the question is, who handled these bullets? And it wasn't me, and I did my job, et cetera, et cetera, but other people weren't letting me do my job. You know, she also was talking about how she tried to get safety courses going on the set and claims that she kept getting shot down. I don't know where I'm going because they say this is going to be brutal and it's going to be dueling accusations. I foresee little to no criminal charges and I foresee everyone burying each other in lawsuits by the end of this. Sure. Yeah, so that was my next question. What's next? Well, uh, the police will hopefully have another press conference soon. They are continuing to not give a timetable for that, but I'm sure they're going to announce something eventually. I think that the next steps are going to be everyone is holding their powder until they get a little more information. It might be a month or more before we get more details about this, but it's such a high-profile case that they're probably working it harder than most of the cases they're going to be working in the area. It's probably complicated by the fact that it's outside of the city limits of Albuquerque, so it's sheriff and district prosecutors instead of like police, so there's like fewer personnel to handle mm -hmm. this stuff. I presume they're probably borrowing people here and there to help with the investigation, but yeah, it's just a matter of... Like I said, I wish there was, like, this is so Baroque at this point. Like, I wish there was, like, a, a sexy through line that we could, like, really, like, attach our teeth to. What it is now is the miasma of bad feelings that everyone has as a result of this. You know, you had the initial mm -hmm. shock, and everyone, like, freaked out. And then everyone gets calm and suddenly starts separating from each other. And also, like the second AD apparently told cops on the scene that he had confirmed it was a cold gun before he handed it to Alec Baldwin. But through his attorney, after he hired an attorney, she issued a very brief statement that said that never happened. He never did that. Definitely wasn't him. I'm getting confused because Halls was the first AD, right? And Halls so there's AD. a... There's another or second... the first aid, not, not yeah. second AD, first aid. I'm just, okay. I'm for some reason, not, not enough coffee and I'm being imprecise. My apologies. <laughs> first AD, yeah. Halls and Gutierrez Reed. They're the people that had the most attention and mm. Halls lawyer retracted the statement that he apparently gave when they were taking witness statements at the scene. He told the police on set, it was a cold gun. I, I told him it was a cold gun and I handed it to him and it went off. And then like his lawyer's like, nope, that's not what happened. Which by the way, is just good lawyering incidentally. Like, Obviously, he wasn't in a situation like Miranda applies, as you guys know, regardless of what the circumstances. If you're talking to a police officer, mm -hmm. Miranda is in effect. You don't have to say anything to them. And even if they're not looking at you as a suspect at that point, you don't have to say anything to them. And if you say something to them and then hire an attorney, your attorney's probably going to be like, no, 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 none of that counts now. I'm in I'm in charge of what you say from here on out. Mm -hmm. So shrug emoji for anybody who can't see my face in this podcast. I just shrugged big. Yes. It'll be interesting to see see what happens next. Yeah. So we yeah. basically just have to speculate until the next press conference. Absolutely. Yeah. So will you but, come back and join us after the next press conference? I will come anytime. Fill us in on you, everything? Absolutely. I'll come anytime you guys want me to. I really appreciate it. Oh, oh awesome. Well, we look forward to having you on again and explaining it to all of our listeners and keeping us up to date on this tragic and interesting story. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate you. It's fabulous. Absolutely, Ross. It's great to great to have you. Murder, murder, murder.